I had it on 25. Oh, sorry. Uh, Nolan added. Hey, Nolan. Uh, I want to thank Eric for asking me to speak. He actually asked me to speak last week. And um, I don't like saying no, but like I, I hadn't uh, gotten any sleep because I had just started overnight shifts at a detox. And I didn't sleep for like two days. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll come next week. So here I am. Um, so thank you for having me. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the newcomer. Uh, I run into chips. Um, this is the right place. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're like me, if you're an addict like me, this is where I find the solution. Um, I uh, have a sobriety date of July 1917. Oh, yeah. um, so it just took four years. Um, yeah, you know, and it's just kind of like uh, I've, it's kind of like a normal thing for me now. It's not like a struggle for me to do this. Uh, it was definitely a struggle the first year because I had to uh, like train my feet to do something different than I was used to doing. Um, I started drinking and using it when I'm 12. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the case for a lot of us, man. I don't know, it's something about that age when we just want to venture off and, and start like finding our way, I guess. And um, I was like easily influenced, so I kind of just followed what my friends did. Um, and I like to think I was a leader, too, because like I, if I didn't want to do something, I wouldn't do it. But I wanted to do drugs and alcohol, um, you know, because it, it changed how I feel. Um, I remember my first drink. Um, I was in sixth grade. We, uh, Me and two of my friends and my friend's older brother met up that morning. And um, the older brother had a jar of clear liquor. And I don't know what it was. I'm assuming it was moonshine is in a jar. Um, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, too, um, so I'm 3,000 miles away from, you know, where, where I grew up, and uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so I remember we, uh, we all planned to meet there after school, and it was like a, a housing development, and there was like a wall, and we're like, all right, we're going to meet right here, and we're going to drink this liquor, and uh, we all met there, and we sat down in a circle, and we passed the jar around, and I experienced my first drunk, and, um, and ever since I got that feeling, I chased it. And um, that's what I did with everything after that. Um, growing up, I was a good kid. I played a lot of sports, baseball, soccer. Um, I like to fish, uh, ride bikes, you know, all that good stuff. And, uh, and I lost that stuff through my uh, alcoholism and my addiction. Um, <clears throat> a little bit of my, my childhood, I was picked on a lot in school. I was always like chubby kid. Um, so I got picked on a lot. So that was tough for me. I was real sensitive. Uh, I was raised by women. Um, so I was like, I don't know, I, I guess that makes you a little more sensitive than, because uh, if I was raised by my blood father, I, I feel like I'd have been like a hard ass, you know what I mean? Cause he was an asshole and, um, he's like a tough guy. And, uh, and the story behind that is, uh, when I was 11, my, my sister, she's two years older than me. She, she told me we have a different father than the one that's raising us. And, um, so in between 11 and 13 is when I started drinking. And at 13, I got to meet my blood father. And my, mo my mom explained to me why he wasn't in her life. And it's because he was a junkie. You know what I mean? Because he, wa he wasn't present and he was just spending the money, you know? And um, <clears throat> so she took us away from that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I'm, I love my mother. I'm so grateful that I have the mother I do. You know what I mean? Because I don't think I'd be here if I didn't. I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, 
So I start drinking, you know, it's like a slow progression. I'm like fucking shit up. I'm wrecking cars, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like getting in trouble at school, you know what I mean? Because I'm like drinking in, in high school. I mean, I'm like going to the, we had like a little corner store where we could buy alcohol. We'd like pay them extra and they would sell it to us. And if they didn't want to sell it to us, we'd tell them like, we're going to steal it if you want to sell it to us. <laughs> so they would sell it to us. Um, and uh, so it was like, it was easy to get. My sister's two years older and she was like grown at 12. So she was hanging out with like these 20 year olds. And um, so I was exposed to a lot of things at a young age. And, um, but I liked alcohol. And, uh, you know, and I got in some trouble uh, right out of high school. I flipped an explorer, I was ejected. Um, my friend was partially ejected. I was like blacked out drunk. I don't remember what happened. My, my homeboy told me because he remembers most of it. And uh, long story short, I, was, I went through the windshield um, and, the, and the truck kept rolling. And when my homie uh, crawled out, of, it like landed on the roof. And when my buddy crawled out of the car, I'm sitting like 30 yards back on a curb, just chilling on the curb. And he's like, what the fuck, man? And, uh, and like I, the only memory I have from that incident is like this really beautiful um, uh, EMT like comforting me. Right. And I was just like broken and crying and like all like. You know, I was like super drunk, but I like had a moment. And I don't know if that was like my guardian angel. I like to think it was. Uh, I woke up in a hospital, you know, staring at the light. And I was like, what happened? Where am I at? You know what I mean? And that was like a normal thing for me to wake up and not know where I was. And not remember how I got home. Like, I'm going to have to go out and check the truck, see if I hit anything. And uh, I did that. That was just like a regular thing. You know what I mean? The first couple of times it scared me. And then it was just like, oh, this is just what I do. You know, I'm a good drunk driver. And, um... So I'm so sure, like, my friends are the problem. The people I'm hanging out with are the problem. So, like, I moved to Texas right out of high school. Um, I got there for about two years. I do good. Like, I can do good for a couple years, gain some stuff, you know, get the job, get the apartment, get the car. Um, and then, like, just get back into the drinking, like, regularly. You know what I mean? Like, I could stop drinking for a little bit, too. You know what I mean? To get the shit back together. And I start drinking a little bit, thinking, like, oh, I could do it now. You know what I mean? I'm good. And, um, you know, and, and I learned over and over and over again that that doesn't work, you know, and I learned it through other experiences, too, with other substances. And, and uh, so I'm in Texas. I, uh, I'm in a blackout um, drum, partially blacked out because I remember some of it. And uh, I'm on I-10 and uh, it's pitch black. My engine blows up. We're going street racing. And I lost the guys I was with because I tried to go back and find my phone that I had lost. We were at a wedding prior to that. So I was like nice and toasty. And uh, long story short, I'm like hitchhiking on I-10 and there's like no lights out there. And I don't know if anyone's been to Texas, but it like floods real bad in Houston. And, um, and what I was familiar with was my brother-in-law found me, right? He shows up on the other side of the highway. Cause I had been out there for like two, two hours hitchhiking with people that didn't speak English. And, uh, and, they, and you know, I wasn't getting anywhere. And then my brother-in-law found me finally. Uh, I had to call my mom back in Florida because that was the only number I could remember. And uh, so I run over and jump over the concrete barrier to go get in the truck. Well, lo and behold, it's a, it's a flood zone. So, so I'm thinking there's an HOV lane that I was jumping into, but it wasn't. It was an open lane where it's like a two and a half, three-story drop. So I jump over this, I break my back, I refuse to go to the ambulance because I'm a, I'm a freaking alcoholic and an addict, right? And I'm like, no, I know it's best for me. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't want to pay that ambulance fee. And uh, I go home and like, I can't, I can't stand up straight. You know what I mean? My back is broken. And uh, my sister wakes up and she's like, dude, what are you doing? Take my brother to the hospital. 
So I moved back home. Um, I moved in with a friend that, that I was trying to get away from because we were just bad influences on each other. He had broke his neck uh, three months prior to me breaking my back. It was just like weird that it happened, you know what I mean, to both of us. We were like really close. Uh, so I moved back in with him as his caretaker. He was prescribed a lot of pills, you know, it was back when the pill mill was going, out, going on in Florida. And uh, heard my back at his house one day, and he's like, he rolled out, and he fucking gave me this little blue pill. And he's like, here, this will take your pain away. And it did. And it, it was like the same feeling I had experienced with the alcohol. And I fucking ran with it, right? Because, like, that's what I do. I chased that feeling. And, uh, and I chased that shit for over 13 years, you know? And it led me to, to shooting heroin. Um, you know, I like the name, <laughs> Arms with Tracks, <laughs> the name of the meeting. I had, I had a gnarly track mark down my neck bro because i got i got to a point i'm like living in a tent in the, in the woods you know in orlando and uh and, and like we're using the same needle for like two or three months because we don't have the, the needle exchange there and just dirty lifestyle really dirty like eating out of the 7-eleven dumpster and shit um not showering just doing things that i wasn't raised to do you know i was brought up in like a, a decent home because my mom worked her ass off for that like I said, I'm grateful for my mother. I'm going to get to that real quick because um, I like to get in the solution. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm in and out of homelessness. Um, I, I get into an indigent place after I've been, like, catching charges. I'm, like, caught a couple of felony charges. The one got dropped because they were doing some shady shit in the courthouse where the, I guess, the guy that, it was on the news, too. And I think that's why I got away with a lot of it. Because the guy that was supposed to be, like, testing the, the drugs in the courthouse was taking them out and selling them. And, like, putting fake shit in so they didn't have it for court. You know, they didn't have the proof for court. So a lot of stuff was getting dropped. Um, long story short, like, I go into this indigent place, right? And, uh, and I'm like, I, I, I really don't like the way I'm living. And I'm like, really, it's kind of a get-out-of-jail card. You know what I'm saying? I played, I played that card. I was like, I'll go to treatment. And, and I kind of wanted it then. Um, the only problem was is they, they didn't practice the 12 steps. It was all God, which I, I, that's what I'm about to. Um, but, like, I need, I need, like, solution on a daily basis. I need, like, something that I can grab onto and, and use, you know what I mean, and, um, as well as a higher power. And uh, so as soon as I get out of there, which the way I got out of there is I went to the hospital because I had a pain in my stomach. And lo and behold, I got hep C and I did a um, discharge. Oh, that's your phone ringing. Um, and uh, so like I found out I had hep C and I'm like back out there, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I'm stuck in it. You know what I mean? So I go back out there for a few years and uh, and out of homelessness. Last year, 2016, I was out on the street like nine months straight. Um and um, God just started working in my life that year. At the end of that year, my brother hit me up on Christmas Eve, my half-brother. And I was like, hey, man, how you doing? Just checking on me. Because we hadn't talked. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm out here on the street. And um, he sent my oldest brother out to pick me up off the street. And he put me in his garage and gave me a job. And he gave me an opportunity to, like, get back on my feet. And at that point, I was so far gone that all I could do was get high. And the problem was is that where he lived was outside of my realm. You know, now I'm out on the outskirts of Orlando and, I, and I'm having trouble, like, doing what I do to get drugs. And um, so I get into this emotional bottom, which I had never experienced. I had moments where I was, like, suicidal because, like, something wasn't going good. I was going to jail. But, oh, I should just kill myself. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Um, but, I, but I got into this emotional bottom and I'll never forget it and I never want to feel it again. And um, 
And God started working in my life, and he, and he always had. You know what I mean? It, it, God was always there, guardian angel, whatever you want to call it. There's something always there. And, um, you know, and the best thing I can come up with is to kill myself. My brother got, my oldest brother got a gun for his birthday, and ever since I saw a gun, I'm like, that's what I'm going to use. And, uh, and every time I would think about get, going in his room and getting that gun and going out to the field and shooting myself, I'd think about my mother and how she would be destroyed over that. And, uh, and I couldn't put my mother through that pain because the how much she fought to give me a good life. And uh, so I had that little bit of that little thought of my mother would keep me from doing it. And I sat in that thought for like four or five months. And um, and then I get a phone call. My brother's not working anymore. You know, I'm like nodding out at his kid's birthday. He's finding needles in his house. Um, uh and uh, I get a phone call. My mom's like, hey, if you can go to treatment, would you go? And I was like, yes. You know what I mean? Because, like, I was going to kill myself. Two days later, I'm on a plane to California. And, uh, you know what I mean? I, I had nothing else, man. So I just came. You know what I mean? And, and no one was – basically, everyone that would help me in my life was, like, I was already burned them and they pushed me out. And uh, my brother was like the last one that was willing to help. And um, my, my blood father asked him, he's like, no, you ain't coming out here. You know, I'm like, oh, that checks out. <laughs> and uh, so I flew out here, man. And I, you know, I didn't have much. You know, I had like a suitcase with some clothes, a backpack and $30 in my pocket. And, and I went down to Huntington for detox for 10 days. You know, it was all scholarship. Um, I'm going to tell you a little how God was working in my life um, through other people. This girl, Whitney, I had met when I when we were like, uh, I was like 12 or something. And her her father and my father flew in the Air Force together. So they came and visited one time. So I, I met her once. I remember her. Well, she and my her and my little brother were close. So whenever she was from Vegas, so whenever she was in like Miami, whatever, they would hang out. You know what I mean? They'd meet up and hang out. Well, she was with my brother and my cousin and um, when I was, like, going through this, like, want to kill myself phase. And um, she overheard my brother and my cousin talking about, like, how I was living. Like, I was, like, homeless. I was shooting dope. And I was potentially going to die. And uh, apparently she's on her – I just found this out, like, a year ago. She was on her phone texting people back here getting me scholarship, right, because she worked at a detox and she had some connects at PPR. And uh, she got me scholarship. She's like, all you got to do is fly out here. And he's, like, set. You know what I mean? And, and, and I fucking, I was willing, you know, I was willing to surrender to that. So I came out here, did 10 days there. They had to push me out because they had insurance people coming in, you know, like it's a business. And, um, and uh, I came right here. I skipped residential. I came right into a sober living IOP. They were like, oh, you got to be home at 11. I'm like, that's it. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, this, I could do this. And, uh, you know, and I remember seeing color for the first time. I was right here in Dana Point and I walked out. There's like a big hill that goes down over by Pines Park. And I walked out there and I saw where I was. I was like, I was up high and I was like down. I looked down and there's a beach and palm trees. And when I came up to the hill, there was like this bush of like red flowers. And like, I just remember like seeing color for the first time. You know what I mean? Like I had woke up in that moment and, uh, and, and, and it hasn't left. You know what I mean? But like what happened was is God put people in my life that were supposed to be there. So like my roommate took me to, to the uh, morning meeting down in the harbor where I had met my sponsor. And then he took me to some bonfire beach meetings that I, I continue to do now. And uh, and what happens is I just kept showing up to those meetings and I started like hearing the solutions, get a sponsor, work the steps. And, um, you know, I had been the I had been to, to AA 
prior, but it was for a judge, you know what I mean, to get a court card signed, to get a DUI charge um, dropped, because the lawyer said that's what I needed to do. And um, no, and I never heard anything about sponsorship. You know, I, I, and I'm sure they were talking about it. I just wasn't listening. And uh, so like I knew, like I knew I was ready because I was hearing it, you know what I mean? And like two weeks in, I asked this guy to sponsor me and um, Thurman H. And uh, I just liked how he talked. I liked his confidence. You know, he wanted to, he was talking about like being a better uncle to his sister's kids. And, uh, and I could relate to that. And, uh, and I just really liked how he like presented himself and, and like shared solution. And, um, and, and like I could tell he was like me from the way he talked about his past. And, uh, and I worked the steps with him. I did him as honest as I could. The fourth step, I didn't let go of everything the first time around. Um, and I continued. What happened was is I, the first step was easy, right? I had been practicing that for 22 years. So when I got here, I was like pretty, pretty, uh, had a pretty good realization that I was powerless over this shit. And, um, and then two and three were, were pretty simple for me. I was raised kind of in like a Christian background. So I like, I went to to like a church meeting to find that connection and, and I and I did. And um, you know, and four was four was easy. Uh, five was harder because like I didn't want to tell someone all the shit that I had done and all the shit that I was ashamed of. And um and but the stuff I did do on that I got the relief from and I got to have that experience. So then a year later I was like willing to let the other shit go. And, uh, and I got the relief, man. And um, I got through the steps between six and nine months. The obsession got lifted in between that point. I started sponsoring guys in nine months. Uh, and then I kind of got to see, like, what my purpose was then when I started sponsoring guys, you know. And I was able to, like, give that back, what someone had gave me, and uh, which saved my life. And, um, you know, I've got a couple guys through the steps, you know, and one of them's fixing to move back uh one of them's fixing to move to Missouri with his uh, wife and their daughter, and they're gonna, you know, potentially buy a house soon. And, and uh, you know, and, and that's what I do. Like, my my purpose today is to raise my hand and give this this thing that was given to me away. You know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no treatment, there's no psychologist where I could go that can give me what I found in these rooms. You know what I mean? Because it's like so. There's so many people from so many different backgrounds in here that come in here and share those experiences with us. You know, you can't get that anywhere else. Like this is, we're really blessed to have this. You know, and it's free. You know, it's simple. And uh, like, I like to complicate shit. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not perfect all the time. I'm not spiritually fit all the time. And I share about that stuff in meetings. Because I feel like it's, it's, I'd rather come in here and tell you like, hey, I flipped off a fire truck because I almost rear-ended the car in front of me and I got mad and that's how I react, right? Because I have a reaction problem and I haven't fixed it yet and I don't think I ever will. And, uh, but like, that's the truth. You know what I mean? I'm not going to come in here and be like, hey, like I'm fucking Messiah, like I'm this and that, you know, and, and be fake. You know what I mean? I'm coming here and share like what's going on in my life and, and like I come in here and I still have suicidal thoughts sometimes. You know what I mean? Sometimes my head still convinces me like maybe it's better if I'm not here, you know. But like today I have some defenses where I'm like, no, nah, that's bullshit. That's a lie. Right? I have people in my life that call me on a daily basis and tell me they love me. You know, I see them at meetings and they, they run up and give me a hug and they're excited to see me. They weren't, people weren't excited to see me four years ago. Right? Big old long beard, long hair, you know what I'm saying? Like had that tough guy thing because like that's how you got to be on the street. 
And, uh, you know, and I don't have to live that way today. You know what I mean? Like, life is good, man. Like, I just got to show up. And I was thinking about it this past week. It's like, the majority of what I do today is just showing up. Right? That's like half of it. The other half is like, once I get there, I'll figure everything else out. Right? Like, someone asked me to, to, to leave. So, all I got to do is show up to the meeting. Um, I, I could sit there and stress out. I'm like, oh, what do I got to do? Are we doing it out of the book? Like, you know what I mean? I could sit there and like stress out about all this shit. Future tripping, right? It hasn't happened yet, so it's not real. All I got to do is show up. You know, and, and that's what I've really learned here is just showing up and being consistent. If I show up and be consistent, people are like more willing to like give me shit. And it's not like, that's not like the motive, but it's like, that's how it works, man. Like when I see someone come to a meeting and they're new and they're sharing, I'm like, all right, that, that person's serious. Like I'm going to be more willing to give them more of me, right? Because there's a lot of people around here that need help. And there's some people in here that, that aren't ready, you know? And it's not for, it's not for me to like decide who's ready or not. But like, if someone's in here like participating and being willing and wanting to work steps, like I'm going to give them more of me, you know what I mean? And, um. Oh, life is good. Like I, I, you know, my, I get to go see my family, you know, once or twice a year and, and my head, I'm going to wrap it up here in a minute, but like my head likes to convince me, like I'm being selfish cause I'm still out here and, uh, and my family's back home and potentially my idea is like, I'm sober now. I need to be of service to my family. And, um, uh, and every time, like I'll, I'll go through that and I'll call my mom, like, mom, like, what do I, like I need to like, I feel like I need to be there. My father's got dementia. You know, he's getting bad. He got, like, a gnarly accident. and um, Just a lot of stuff, man. Like, my sister's taking on that burden, you know, and, and, and thank God for her. You know I mean? They hated each other. Her, her, my dad and my sister hated each other. Now she's the one taking care of them. And um, I don't know. My sister, my sister got sober because I did. She just was like, oh, no one's not drinking anymore. I don't need to. You know what I mean? So you, don't, you like, don't know who you're going to affect when you're doing this, you know? So like, I'd rather like try and be positive and try and do the right thing and like try and like, you know, be a good neighbor, you know what I mean? Which I fail at sometimes, you know, I get mad about parking spots and, uh, <laughs> but you know, life is good, man. Like I just got to show up, be consistent. I got to participate in my recovery. My recovery is number one over a relationship, over a job. If my job starts interfering with my recovery, I'll, I'll quit the job. I'll put my two weeks in. I have no problem with that. And I've done it. You know what I mean? The things worked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could sit there and be in a fear, but things are always going to work out. I just got to show up. Uh, I'll wrap up with that. Thanks for letting me share.